Time is the one commodity that God has given us that once we've spent it, we can never get it back. Time is a gift. It is something that we have and we've got to choose what it is we're going to do with it. And it, it will ultimately become our story. What we choose to do with time will ultimately be what our life is about, what is said about it. It will be our story. Now, God wants to write that story. He wants His story to be the story of our life. He wants us to be a part of what He's doing in the world. But here's the thing. Unless we submit our life, our time to Him, and unless we are intentional about the use of it, we're going to miss so much. I am. I was real convicted a couple of weeks ago about the fact that I've never intentionally talked to our church about the use of time. And, and, it, and it's, it's the most precious gift that we have. It's the thing that, that again, we, we can't get it back. And I know that. Interesting, when I do marriage counseling, almost 75% of what I teach and what I talk about has to do with time. As a matter of fact, one of the requirements that I have before I'll marry someone, is that they have, to, they have to have a calendar. And on that calendar, they have to have planned out the things that we have talked about during the counseling sessions. Because what I have found is this. If you don't calendar it, it won't get done. Now, here's what I know. A lot of these couples, they write their calendar, and they never look at it again. There's others who write their calendar, and they, they occasionally. But for the really blessed ones, the ones who really see God do amazing things in their lives and later on in their families and in their children's lives, these are the people who take to heart the reality that time is a limited commodity and who take responsibility to, to write down what it is they, that God has called them to do with their time and then they turn around and they do it. When it comes to time, there's two ways that you can approach your time. I want you to see this. Two approaches to time. One, you can spend it. The other one, you can invest it. Guys, leave this up here for a minute. You can spend it. You can just go out there and just spend it as you see. You can, you can do with time what I do with food during Christmas. Just eat whatever's there, right? Just go for it. I'm hungry. Hey, it looks good. Let's do it. Did you plan on eating that? No, but it was there. Why not? True story. I think it was two Christmases ago. I'm starving. I, I didn't get a lunch. There was a meeting, and there was this pink stuff that was in a plastic, what looked like a food container on my assistant's desk. There were several of them, so I thought, oh, this must be a Christmas gift. It must be some kind of strawberry, sweet, delicious pudding. My assistant was sitting there, and before she could say anything, I had jerked up one of those containers, flopped off the top with my fingers, dug a big old thing of it, and just, oh, I'm so hungry. Turns out, it was not food. It was hand cream. And it was disgusting. But that's what happens to you in life when you don't plan what you're going to eat, that's what happens when you don't plan it. You'll just put anything into it. You'll just spend it. You'll just go out there, hot noodle, ah! you know, and then your life, you're just like, how did this happen? No, we got to invest time. 
Invest time. What do you do when you invest time? Well, you do kind of what I do with calories come January. I plan every one of them. I plan every calorie I'm going to eat. I got a little app. Pastor Benny showed to me years ago. And, and it, it, every calorie, I know exactly where it's going. I, I know what I'm going to do. Can you say that about your time? Are you spending time? That is, you're just kind of going with the flow, whatever comes up in front of you. Or are you investing in it? Are you saying, this is a limited commodity. I only, only have so much. I'm going to be very intentional about what I'm doing with this time. We need to be praying what the psalmist prayed. We need to think this way. This is Psalm 90.12. Guys, go ahead and put that one up there for me. Psalm 90.12 points to this reality in a very good way. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to understand that we only have a certain number of days. Teach us to understand that we only have a certain number of hours, a certain number of minutes, a certain number of seconds. So that we will be wise. So that we won't waste a single one. So that we will be intentional about the time, this commodity that, that, that we have been given. And you got to understand, the time that you spend will ultimately become the story of your life. Bill Hybels, in an interview recently, uh, he said this, My schedule is far less about what I want to get done. It is far more about what I want to become. I want you to think about that for a minute. What you do with your time will determine what you become. What you do with your time will ultimately determine what the story of your life is. So as we think about this, I want, I want you to, to be thinking about two questions today, okay? As we work through some scripture here, the two questions to ask yourself today, this is one, does the path I'm walking lead to a place I want to go? The way that you're investing time now or spending time, is this really what you want your story to be? Is this the way your children want to be remembered you leading them? Is this the way you want your grandchildren to talk about you? Is this the way you want your parents to remember, your friends to remember you? Is this the way you want the church to remember you? Is this the way you want me to remember you as your pastor? And is this the way you want God to reflect on your life and point to the decisions you've made? Ask yourself, if I keep heading this way, will I like where I arrive? I mean, at the end of your story, not just the end of your life, at the end of the story of this month, at the end of the story of, of, of this winter, at the end of the story of this, of, this, of this spring and winter and then summer, at the end of this year, are you going to like where you are a few months from now, a few weeks from now, a couple weeks from now? Are you thinking intentionally about what you're doing with your time? Guys, write this down. Open up the church app on your phone or, or, or get on the back of the bulletin there and, and write this down. Understand, to get the most out of our time, we must be wise stewards with the time of our life. It's a limited commodity. It is a gift from God. You can either just spend it flippantly and, and not give any concern as to what you're doing with it, what you're becoming, where it is you're going, what your story will be, or you can be wise, as the psalmist said. You will number your days. You will calendar your time. 
you will be intentional about what it is you're becoming, what it is you're going to be remembered by, what it is you're going to be able to say about your life because of the intentionality with which you approached your life. A text I want us to begin with, if you've got your Bible and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. And uh, Samuel McNabb is going to read for us verses 16 through 21. So Samuel, come on up. And as he's coming, let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. And, and I want you to think this is a parable from Jesus. He's making a very serious point uh, about investment in the commodity to which God has given and mind, makes us mindful of a very serious reality. So this again, Luke chapter 12, uh, Samuel's going to read for us verses 16 through 21. Go ahead, Samuel. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will t- tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God, but God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The Word of God. Thank you, Sam. If you would be seated. I want you to think about this in terms of time. Time is a commodity. What are you doing with it? How are you investing it? Are you assuming that you're going to have more next week? Are you assuming that you're going to have all of it you want? Are you assuming that you're going to be able to make up for all the time you've spent? All the time, maybe I could even say this, that you've wasted? Are you, are you a person who, who looks at every day and says, This is an investment. I'll never get this back. I got one shot at this. Am I doing it right? Is that how you look at this day? Is this how you look at tomorrow? Is this how you're thinking about the upcoming week? Is this how you're thinking about this upcoming month, this year? Is this how you are thinking about your life? Friends, let me give you a sobering, what I hope and what I pray is a sobering reminder from God's Word in Romans chapter 14, verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. God has given you time. And He's going to hold you accountable for every second of it. Are you spending it or are you investing in it? Is it passing you by and you're just hoping that it works out? Or are you focused on the Lord? Have you given it to Him, okay? Have you given Him your life, your time, and said, God, I want this to matter. I want you to write my story. I want you to guide my steps. Teach me to number my days so that I will have a heart of wisdom so I won't waste one single moment. Friends, it's no good to have good intentions. It's no good to say, well, what I really wanted to do, that's not what God's going to hold you accountable for. When you stand before Him, He's not going to say, well, tell me what you, what you thought you wanted to do. Tell me what you meant to do. No. He's going to say, let's see what you did. Let's see what you did 
with this gift of time of life that I gave to you. And what will you hear? Friends, let me encourage you to invest this time. I'm going to give you four biblical ways to invest your time today. And this is some of the most practical teaching I can give you. This is something that has impacted me, and I pray that it has a huge impact on you. There's four things to invest in. First one is this. And I love starting here because the gospel starts here. Invest in rest. Invest in rest. That's not what you thought I was going to say, did you? You thought I was going to tell you to go run a mile or something, didn't you? Invest in rest. Now, how does Scripture describe rest? Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, look at this. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The Hebrew writer is writing to a group of Jewish people who were thinking of giving up the gospel. And they were thinking, hey, let's, let's forget about, you know, this trusting in Jesus and resting in the salvific work of Jesus. And let's, let's give that up and let's go back to what we've always done. Let's go back to this, this idea of, of living under the law. Let's go back to trusting in our works. And the Hebrew writer is saying to them, if you do this, if you step away from grace, there is no hope for you. There is no hope for you. There is, there is no assurance. There is nothing for you. If you step away from this gift of God, there is nothing that can save you. And so he writes to these people and he says to them, Enter into God's rest. Remain in God's rest. What does that mean? That means that you invite Christ to be your Savior and you stop trying to save yourself. You stop trying to make your life something. You stop trying to control everything and instead, you come before the Almighty and you say to God, God, Based upon the work of Christ, His death to pay for sin, forgive me of my sin. And based upon the fact that He has been raised from the dead, live in me. Guide me, living God, living, resurrected Savior. My life is yours. I'm going to rest in what you have accomplished in the death, burial, and resurrection. That's what it means to rest in Christ. That's what it means to have living hope. Listen, our world is a mess. Our world is a mess. I sat next to a man on an airplane on Wednesday, and, and you know, for the, <laughs> that's kind of funny. The, the first uh, 30, 45 minutes, it was kind of quiet until the flight attendant came by and spilled cranberry juice all over this guy. And it was so funny because I really wanted the aisle seat until he got that stuff spilled all over him. And then... I was like, thank you, Lord. I'm glad to be in between these two big old people right now in my safe middle seat. And he was mad. He was mad. And he was about to start going off. And I, I kind of laughed. I said, and I told him a story. I said, hey, man, listen, it all happens to us. 
I don't know if I've ever told you the story before. I was going to defend my dissertation. I was supposed to fly in that morning. I was in my nice suit. You only have a few, and one or two really that I wear. And, and, and I had on my suit. I was going to fly up there, defend my dissertation, say hi to everybody, and get out of there that night. Flight was canceled. Get a later flight. The flight attendant spilled Coke all over my nice suit. I had to go to Target and figure it out. I do have my doctor's degree, so it all worked out, right? So I'm telling this guy this story, and and I'm trying to get him to laugh. And I said, you know, life is a mess. He said, man, it is a mess. He started talking about all the things that are going on in the world. And I said, you know, can I tell you what I believe? He's like, sure. I said, you know, I think that God meant for us to be in harmony. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you know, the fact that you're upset that she spilled that all over you, and that you're upset that ISIS is here, and you're upset because bad things are happening. You ever wonder why you're upset? seems like if we evolved or whatever, we would just say, well, this is just the way it is, and it wouldn't matter to us. But it does matter to us. And you know why? He said, why? He said, because we know that we're supposed to be in harmony. It's not supposed to be evil and pain and suffering. There's not supposed to be this kind of world. I said, have you ever thought about that? He said, well, you know, I, I do. He said, I think about the fact that I don't like the way this world is. He said, I don't like the way my, my life is. I said, you know what? It's because of the fall. He said, the what? I said, I don't know if you know the Bible. He said, I really don't. So I talked to him about the fall. I talked to him about how we've sinned. I said, have you ever noticed uh, that you don't have to teach your children to disobey? He's like, yeah, I know that. So I said, see, we, we had this world, but then we've sinned. But I said, here's the good news, buddy. God came to rescue us. And then I started talking about Jesus. And boy, you could tell he was really checking out on me, right? And at that moment, he said, okay, I got you. You're, you're one of those. What do you do for a living? And then I had to confess, right? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh, great. Cranberry juice, now this. Great. So I, I went ahead and I got through the restoration, but that's as far as he wanted to go. And then he was ready to talk about something else. And, and, and we moved on. But you know what? Had, had there been any sense of the Spirit of God moving, you know, I would have said to him, I would have said, you know, there's, there's these three circles I want to share them with you. And I would have I would have walked them through it. I would have said, God, there's there's this wonderful way. If you don't know the three circles, let me encourage you to write these down right now. I would have said, you know what's going on is is there was God's design. God's design was harmony. But sin has entered the world, and so now we live in a world of brokenness. I would have said, you know what? And he'd shared this with me. I said, Your first marriage, it was broken by sin, wasn't it? And he would have said, Yeah. And you know what? We've all, we all have broken things in our lives. And every one of them are because of sin. Even the physical pain, even the physical things that happen to us, cancer and sickness, all those things, it all, it all be- began with sin because we live in a fallen world. And our world is crying out and suffering because of our sin. And the world is a broken place. But you know what? The gospel tells us that God did not abandon us. The gospel tells us that God left heaven to come to our world to rescue us. God didn't say, hey, y'all get to me. Y'all work it out, do enough works to get to me. No, God said, I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to do everything necessary for you to be saved. You just have to rest in me. And that's what the gospel provides. And so the way you rest in God, the way you rest in Christ, is you repent of your sin. You say, God, I'm done doing life the way I'm going to do it under my own authority. I'm going to do my life under your authority because I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that he is alive. And as my living God, I will walk with him. See, it begins understanding that there's God's design. 
And then the reality that there is sin. And we all know that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and has created brokenness in our relationships. Our relationship with God is broken from birth because of our sin. We, we, we are dead to God. We are separated from God. That, that creates within us a brokenness. We're not, we're not right with our relationship with ourselves or with other people. There's brokenness. But because of the gospel, we can repent and believe. And then when we repent and believe, we can now recover and pursue God's design. Without the gospel, we'll never get to God's design. We'll never live the life God created us to live. We will never know peace. We will never have joy. We will never have living hope until we have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, repented of our sins, and believed. We will never have this life. But once we have the life of Christ in us, and as we pursue Christ, we'll recover God's design one step at a time. And this is the good news. And this is what it is to rest in Christ. It is to trust in Him for salvation. And then it is to pursue and to recover God's design. And one of the ways that we do this, one of the biggest ways, one of the ways that God has commanded us to pursue and recover God's design is through worship. It is through gathering together with other redeemed people to glorify and celebrate who God is and what He's done. There is no replacement for it. There's no replacement for the gathered church worshiping together. There's other things that, are, that can be like it. Maybe a concert, maybe a study. There is nothing like gathering with the local church to worship God, to praise His name, to, to study His Word, to pray together, to, to give together financially, to, to look to God together. That's why He's commanded it. Make sure you understand this. Jesus did not ask or in, simply encourage us to worship Him. He demands that all that He redeemed worship Him. Hebrews 10, 23-25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. What is the confession of our hope? That we can rest in Jesus. That we can trust Him with our life. And because we can trust Him with our life, that means that, that we can come to Him and we can give Him this time. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not, ne not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day of drawing near. What is he talking about? He's talking about the fact that because we're resting in Christ, we are to pursue and recover God's design as we rest in Him. And a part of resting in Jesus is obeying Him. You cannot feel at peace. You cannot be resting in Jesus when you are disobeying Him. You can't do it. If you're living on disobedience to God, you don't have rest. You're, there is a dis-ease. It's called disease. It is a sin disease that has infected your soul. And when you're not obeying Him, you have dis-ease. He has commanded that His people gather in a local church to worship Him, to encourage one another. And we want this for every believer here at Living Hope, especially, hear me parents, especially for our children. We want them to learn this rhythm now. Why? Because the rhythms you learn as a child are often the ones that are easiest to continue throughout your adult life. We want our children now to learn 
But they are to gather in a multi-generational opportunity to praise and worship God. I love that we have children's opportunities. I love that our children today are going to have the opportunity with their age grade, be able to sit down and study God's Word in a way that is very applicable to their. We are so blessed to have all these teachers. And we want to see all of our children have that time of Bible study. But we don't want them to miss out on what it means to worship with the family of faith. Beginning in kindergarten on, we want every child in this worship opportunity. And I'm proud of our high school students. I just found this out. You know, we have been running around 50%, only about 50% of our high school students have been coming to worship. Last Sunday, over 75% of them were in worship. I praise God for that. And I praise you parents for that. Because, you know, I know what happens here. Parents lead their children. Parents are leading their children to worship. And I realize for some of you it's going to be a sacrifice for you to invest those two hours. And I realize some of you that this is not something that that necessarily makes it easy. And and you're going to need something to do. So parents that have children and high school students, uh, middle school students, let me ask you to do something. While they're in class, serve. Serve. Go serve in that ministry. If you're not going to serve in that ministry, serve in a ministry. Help people feel warmly welcomed when they come into onto this facility. Go and serve. And if you don't want to serve a ministry of the church, do this. Go buy a cup of coffee at the 1040 Cafe and spend the next hour praying for your children. Just pray. Get in a place. There's plenty of quiet places around here. And get together and just pray for your children. You don't want to serve. You don't, you don't want to invest. That's okay. Then Pray for them while they're in class and then get them. Let them sit with their friends if they want to. It's okay as long as you're together because let me tell you what happens. And this is what you parents know this. One of the hardest things to do is to get the conversation started with your kids about what's really important. And you know what worship provides a parent? A kickoff. A kickoff conversation. What did you think when Pastor Jason said he's been eating hand soap again? Oh, that's so gross. What kinds of gross things are you doing in your life? Let's talk about it right now. No, you, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't freak them out. Just ease into that one, all right? Ease into that one. But, you know, you think about, you know, what do you think about what Pastor Jason was talking about with time? What do you think the, the Bible says when it says this? You know, that could lead to hours of conversations. And you do that over a year, over a decade. Can you imagine the investment and the difference that will happen in your family? Because you worship together, not because you sat together, but because you worship together, you sang the songs and you sat under the same teaching of God's word. God commands this not because he's some listless, egotistical ogre that wants everybody's attention. God's good. He doesn't need us to tell him how great he is. He already knows. We need to be reminded of how great he is. We need to be able to come and and trust him with this time, rest in this time and worship him. Now, I know that there's this lie that goes around that, that people think, and I want you to hear me on this. To rest, that doesn't mean you do nothing. Let me tell you what this is. Write this down, all right? This is simple. Resting is trusting. Resting is trusting. When you're resting in Christ, you're trusting in Christ. And when you are worshiping Christ as he has commanded you, you're resting in him. Now, let me say it negatively. When we choose not to attend worship, we are in essence saying that God is a liar and cannot be trusted. We're in essence saying, God, I don't believe you 
that gathering for worship is the best thing for me. I think a little more sleep is best for me. I think this sporting event, this entertainment is better for me. I, I think uh, sitting around actually doing nothing or crawling up in a, in a blind to shoot something or getting out on a golf course or going to catch a fish is better for me. I, I want you to think about what you're saying when you do that. And, and, and don't dance around this. You're saying, God, I can't trust you. You're lying to me. You're telling me that the best thing I could do with my life is to invest this time worshiping you, giving financially to you, praying to you, responding to the truth of your word. But I think you're lying. I think it's better for me to do nothing. I think it's better for me to go and be entertained. I think it's better for me to get more sleep. Friends, your flesh lies to you. God doesn't. God wants what is best for us. And He knows the best thing for us is to sit down and worship Him. Is to gather and to rest in Him. Is to teach our children, to teach our church, to encourage one another. And all the day, all the more as we see the day approaching. Friends, we've got to start. We've got to invest in rest. The other three, they're important. I'm not going to give as much time to them. I've given you some resources, but let's, let's talk about these real quick. Second one is invest in relationships. Invest in relationships. Before we get over that, let me, let me give you one practical thing back to that. I just, it just clicked in my mind. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a calendar. Get a, a physical one, get one on your phone, whatever. Sunday morning, determine the time you're going to worship and put it on that calendar and keep that appointment for the rest of your life. Keep it. And if you need to add a time of prayer, a time to serve so that your children... Uh, can, can plug into that Bible study, do it. Stop making excuses. All right, let's go to the relationships. Invest in relationships. What does Jesus say? John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What, is it, what does it mean to love like Jesus loved us? It's real simple. You love with grace and truth. You tell the truth, but you do it with grace. What does it mean to love like Jesus? It means that we love through service and blessings. To love someone is to serve them, and it is to seek to bless them. It is to offer truth and grace, not just truth, not just telling each other off, telling the truth with grace, and then serving and blessing, and then connecting and encouraging. Why did Jesus come? So that we could know him so that we could be connected with Him for eternity, so that He could encourage us in the way in which we are living. There's three vital relationships to, to invest in. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I put them there in your bulletin. There's three of them. First of all, your marriage. Second of all, your family. And then last, your friends. But guys, here's the bottom line. If you don't calendar the time to invest in your marriage, you won't. If you don't calendar the time to invest in your children, in your parents, you won't. If you don't calendar the time to invest in your friends, in a connection group where you are together around the gospel, around Christ-centered relationships, you won't. You've got to calendar it. Friends, I've had to learn this. And, and I tell you, recently, I have... I have 
I have calendared it and I have protected it. Friday is my day with my wife. Some people get a date night. We don't get nights. <laughs> That's just not possible for the pettest people. Maybe one day we'll get rid of all these freeloaders and we'll get a night free. But until then, and I love them and I thank God for them, but be honest. They're at school. We have a day. We'll go see a movie. We'll go get some lunch. We'll have some time together. But I've also realized I've got to invest that time with my kids. So you know what I've done recently? I, I, I've started having breakfast with my older kids, just one of them at a time. It's amazing what we get done in that time. My youngest one, I go, and, and at least every week, if I, if I don't go and eat lunch, and by the way, I don't eat lunch when I say I go eat lunch at the school. There's only so much you can do. But I'm there. And if I can't get there, you know what? We're going to go play some ball or we're going to go for a walk. We're going to do something. Just me and him. It's an investment. It's an investment in time. It's an investment in relationships. And here's what the investment says. I love you. I want to connect with you. I want to encourage you. I want to serve you. I want to bless you. I want to give truth in your life with grace. But if it's not on the calendar, it's not going to get done. It's just like worship. You know, there's some people that aren't here this morning. You know why they're not here? Because they're believing a lie. It's not because they're bad people. A lot of them got up this morning and said, well, if I feel like it, I'll go. If I don't have something better going on, I'll go. So it is with your relationships at home. I don't really feel like investing this time. I don't really feel like investing this time. Well, then you're never going to do anything more than what your flesh will call you to do. Live according to the Spirit. Live in obedience to God. Invest time in relationships. Invest in rest. Invest in relationships. Third one, invest in renewal. Now, I tweeted a sermon yesterday, and it's also on Facebook. Do yourself a favor and go and listen to it in its entirety. It is much better than any sermon I could preach to you. But it's a sermon on what is happening here in 1 Kings 19. Elijah has burnt out. He's stressed out. It says there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What happened to Elijah? Well, Elijah was serving God and he was on top of the world and he was fighting the good fight. But he wasn't taking time to renew himself and the truth and the power of God. So when he got threatened and he had a bad day, it broke him. And he ran from God. And what did he do? He, he burned out. And, and he had to get to a place where he could be renewed. So he gets alone in this cave and God doesn't just blast him. God comes and loves him and ministers to him. And I want to encourage you to go listen to that sermon and to, and to, and to really look at this text. And see what it means. But I'm going to tell you something. He, like us, and we all need renewal in specific areas. Let me give you four. It's already there in your book. Mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Mentally. We need to have our minds inspired to think great things about God. That means you're going to have to plan your time of study. Plan what you're going to study, when you're going to study, how you're going to study. Calendar it. 
Not just mentally, but physically. We need our bodies to be conditioned to live out God's blessing. That means that we're going to have to exercise our bodies and watch what we eat. Calendar when you're going to exercise. Calendar what you are and are not going to eat. And, and remember that this body of yours is a gift from God. You're responsible to Him for it. Emotionally. We need our hearts full of love to live out God's blessing. Get time with people that bless you. Your spouse, your children, your friends, your family. Calendar it. Spiritually, we need our souls fed and focused on God's blessing. Get time alone with God every day. Calendar it. Keep it. Keep that scheduled appointment with God. Get in His Word and pray every day. Last one. Invest in refocusing. Friends, there's times when we've got to refocus on what we're about. Jesus did this. Jesus did this. If the Son of God had to do this, how much more so do we? Look what it says in John, Luke chapter 4, verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So what happened? Jesus has just been in the desert where he defeated Satan. He had just been baptized. He just began his ministry. He'd been rejected at home. He went and preached at the synagogue at home, and they rejected the message. He could do very few miracles there. He had cast out many demons, and he had drawn a following. So what does he do? He takes time to refocus. He goes and he gets away, and he prays, and he's talking with God. And, and here's what I want you to see. The people showed up, the crowd showed up and said, oh, here you are. Look at all this you need to be doing. And Jesus, having been refocused, knowing what he's supposed to be doing with his life, said, no, I'm not going to stay here and do what you want me to do. I know what I'm called to do. I'm going to go do what God said. And he went and preached in the whole region. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you don't take time to refocus on your calling and your purpose in life, you're always going to become a slave to the demands of those that are around you. There's always going to be something more to do. There's always going to be somewhere you're supposed to be. There's always going to be something that you can do. That's not what God's called you to do. He's called you to do what He's called you to do. The last two weeks, I've, I've had two weeks to refocus. A couple weeks ago in Las Vegas, blew my mind to see what God was doing in church planning. Last week, I was with Pastor Benny. And we were, we were researching a church together. Pastor Benny's on sabbatical. Doing what? Refocusing on his calling and what God called him to be and do. And last week we spent hours dreaming and praying through what God has for us here at Living Hope. And what, it, what are the steps that we're going to need to take to get that accomplished. Now we're going to come back and we have this vision and we have this plan of what we're going to do. And it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to take months. It's going to take years. But you know what's going to happen? There's going to be others who are going to say, well, why aren't we doing this? And why can't we do this? And what about this? And we're going to say, those are all good things. But this is what God has called us to do. How will we know that? Because we are focused and we've gotten refocused on what God has called us to do and be. And if you don't have that refocus in your own life, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're, be you're going to become a victim of tyrannical voices that are going to say, I need this. I want this. Can you please ju just do this. 
Don't you know those people were saying, Jesus, can't you just, can't you just stay another day? Can't you just, can't you just be here for a little bit longer? Can't you just give us another week? Can't you just stay another month? And Jesus said, no, I can't. Where did he get the strength to say no? He gained the strength when he was alone and he refocused on his mission and the purpose of his life. Guys, when was the last time you calendared a single hour to refocus your mind and affections on what God has called you to do? When was the last time you sat down as a couple and said, what are we supposed to be doing as a husband and wife? What, what is the story God wants to write with us? When was the last time you sat down as a family and said, what does God want our story to be? What are the pictures that we want in all those picture frames and on our Facebook and, 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 and our, on our cloud with all those pictures we've taken? What do we want those pictures to be of? And what story do we want those pictures to tell? I want you to understand something. Every single one of us are going to give an account of our life to God. And he doesn't have a few pictures. He's got every second of our life photographed. Is this where you want to be in your life right now? The trajectory you're on, is this the trajectory you want to be on? Are you spending time or are you investing time? Are you resting in God and is he your highest priority or is something else snuck in? What, are, what is an area? And I don't want to overwhelm you. I'm gonna, here's what I want you to do this morning. Outside of worship, of those other three, what is one area that you're going to commit to changing today? And I want you to come and give that to the Lord right now. Get on your knees and give it to Him. So let's stand together and let's pray. Father, I pray for some who first need to come to You and get on their knees and rest in You and ask You to forgive them of their sin as they repent and believe the gospel, and as they choose to pursue and recover your design, pray that you'll save them through and through right now. But God, I also pray for many of my brothers and sisters who are like me, and they, they need, like me, to renew some commitments to countering time so that we can invest in the things that really matter. God, we are responsible for this time. So Lord, may we right now acknowledge that, rest in you, give it to you, trust in you and then live out what it is you've called us to be and do i ask this in jesus name amen